football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports now then you're very welcome back we will have Pat Nevin across the football show in the meantime Mr John Bruin come on in you're very welcome hello Joe how are you uh, great and that was a very interesting Premier League weekend uh, Saturday it was toed and froed and went against uh, the supposed script from the point of Arsenal being 1-0 down to where we ended up at 5 o'clock that afternoon yeah yeah uh, when Martin Odegaard missed that chance the title was over wasn't it yeah. that was it and it, Manchester did, it, City. Did, it did feel that way I know we, we have to go yeah. beyond our feelings but just the weight of history with both City and with both Arsenal and that moment it, it overrode any uh, analysis that City aren't City of old at the moment and Arsenal aren't Arsenal of old it just felt like ah yeah, it, it felt like, well. Yeah, it felt like Arsenal were Arsenal, but in fact they're actually a different Arsenal, and that's what we found out in that game. Um, I wouldn't have expected Jorginho to score quite the goal that he did. Okay, it was an own goal, but um, let's credit him with that. Um, and yeah, and, and also as you say, you wouldn't expect Manchester City to go to Nottingham Forest and draw. Except maybe we should have expected that because. Nottingham Forest are really rather good at home, have a good manager, and in uh, Phil Foden, and uh, who's missing chances, you've got Erling Haaland, who's maybe not always on it, and yet that's what happened for Manchester City. So yeah, uh, the, the script that was written during that uh, supposed title showdown to be ripped up, r- ripped up again, and actually... I was quite doomy about how the season had gone after that Wednesday night. I thought, OK, we've not really got a title race anymore. Now we're back to thinking that this is actually an incredibly exciting Premier League season. Mm. Uh, we do, uh, with Pat Nevin, talk in a bit more depth about City because he was at that game against Nottingham Forest and uh, Arsenal as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts um, on Liverpool and Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, in interesting places on a whole host of levels. Liverpool and FSG have uh, come out this evening to say, we're actually not for sale. I mean, I know it's looked like we have been for the last 100 days, but we're not for sale. Uh, We are willing to sell a minority stake. Meanwhile, Manchester United are very much for sale and uh, the Qataris, uh, based on uh, what you're reading or what you're sussing out or hearing, the Qataris do seem to be in pole position, John. Would that be your understanding or do we know? I don't think we'd know, but just the fact that the Qataris have the most money and essentially that's what we know the Glazers want to take out of Manchester United and this is and should they want to sell. Um, and that's not a given completely. There's still this back-channel idea that that might not happen, though ultimately if uh, the um, nephew of the Emir of Qatar offers you seven million, seven billion, I should say, uh, then you're probably going to take that deal. Uh, or Sir Jim Gratcliffe uh, produces a deal that is equal to what they want, perhaps allows them even still a stake in the club or something like that, then it is possible. But um, it's interesting you say about the Liverpool thing. That sort of sneaked out, hasn't it? Because that was just like in a little interview, uh, um, John Henry talking about uh, his other sporting interests, talking about his other sporting clubs, and it's the final bit on that interview. I think it's at Boston Globe or, or one of those. Um, it's a uh, Boston Sporting News, it might be. Anyway, at the bottom, and it just says, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not selling Liverpool Football Club. You know, that, that wasn't the plan. Well, yeah. Are, are we sure about that? 
not necessarily. It always felt, and, and this is the the word that you've got, as soon as Liverpool went on the market, as soon as United go on the market, then maybe Liverpool, you know, is the, is the bridesmaid in this and uh, is not going to be able to attract that type of investment. Um, although Manchester United and Liverpool are English football's two biggest clubs, uh, there is still a huge gap in that um, worldwide uh, ability to, to make money and almost the prestige involved. Um, and also, the other thing is, uh, I would have thought that um, uh, prospective owners would look at Liverpool and look at Manchester United, look at the makeup of the supporters and perhaps think that taking over Liverpool is a bit more difficult because their fans have been a bit more active. Now, say that as Manchester United... Uh, less than two years ago, were um, stopping a game going ahead. But I do wonder if those same forces that stopped the, get that, that game going ahead are going to be as active against a Qatari takeover as they are against the Glazers. Manchester United is a splintered um, support base. Uh, and I suppose it, at the moment it splinters, splinters between uh, fans on the internet who really want Qatari because they think, OK, finally... Killing Mbappe comes to Manchester United, the richest club in the world. Uh, and then you've got those who um, are not for any reason uh, uh, than any particular liking for him that would prefer the Ratcliffe deal because it's British uh, and that he is a, a you know a, a boyhood United fan and might have uh, a, a less um, morally uh, questionable bid in mind. Of course, he owns a chemical company. Uh, and of course, you introduce environmental issues in there. So, all in all, bit of a dirty business, isn't it? Manchester United's takeover. I mean, it's generally hard to find the perfect billionaire. I suppose is the uh, <laughs> issue there. Uh, you make such a, a like a, a key point about the Manchester United fan base, and I suppose the Liverpool fan base um, as well. But with, with Manchester United fans, uh, you're talking. I think they would put their number at four hundred and 67 million fans worldwide. Yes. So the notion that anyone can tell us what Manchester United fans think is <laughs> is clearly yeah. wrong. And, and, and who knows to what extent there will be a divide between the match-going Manchester-based fan and then yeah. the global fan base, or even how that's expressed. I mean, via Twitter versus protest at a match, I don't really know. Uh, one thing I do know is that the Glazers don't give a damn either way what those 467 no. million uh, fans do think well uh, uh, the, the only concern they've ever had is uh, as long as you don't make sure that the 467 million fans don't pay through enough money to pay off their dividends or cover their loan agreements then those people can do what they like yeah. um, and um, you do wonder uh, whoever the next owner is are they going to be um as uh, silent, as invisible as the Glazers essentially have been. Uh, now, you know, in their first years owning the club, they were never seen in Manchester. That's changed a bit over the last ten, last ten years or so. Um, but the Glazers have had this free bet, this ability to just take money out of something which is, if not the other side of the world, the other side of the Atlantic. Um, the Qataris, you would expect, and let's take the example of, of PSG, which they, which uh, someone from Qatar also owns, that, that in itself presents a, another variable. Um, they've been very much front and centre about it, promoting Qatar, about pr promoting their country, uh, about... Um, now, it, it, sports washing is the, 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 
the, the, the phrase that's used all the time. I, I think we could dismiss sports washing because I don't think, if you look at the World Cup, uh, I don't think that Qatar had any um, intentions of changing their values or what they thought about the world. It's actually about power. Owning uh, an institution like Manchester United in England, in Britain, in Europe is about power. It's about expressing Qatar's power on the world. Mm. OTB Sports Rugby. Do you want to just take it easy, keep the emotion in check? That's not that what sport is about. It's about emotion. It's about singing your national anthem with pride. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. On the pitch, with all of this going on, I think things uh, are, are certainly positive at Manchester United and then there are signs of life once again with uh, Liverpool on the eve of this game against Real Madrid. Uh, for Manchester United, uh, post-Ferguson, only in 2018 have they had more points at this stage of a season. That was under uh, Mourinho in 2018. Uh, the performance against Leicester wasn't perfect. Harvey Barnes cuts through the vents in the first 20 minutes. Ian Acho has that header. Eric Ten Hag afterwards is furious with the performance, in fact, and, and rips through it, the first half performance um, as well, in, or sorry, in particular. But uh, all that said, they get the job done. Rashford does his thing. They're within five points of top uh, all of a sudden. It is There is something ironic that the Glazers may have actually just sorted out the, the <laughs> big issue with the club on the eve of selling it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Well, let's not let's not forget that uh, there was a hell of a lot of investment in that team last summer. Mm. I mean, a lot of it went on Anthony, of course, who you wouldn't say has been a success so far, but a lot of investment went in, um, and there has this idea that just because they sound Vegforhorst, they're trying to do it on the cheap. Well, they, they aren't doing it on the cheap. They just spent the budget uh, the previous summer. But in Ten Hag, yes, they've actually what they've done is. They've gone back to the template of Manchester United's most successful managers. Uh, young, progressive, already achieved something in the game, but want to go further. Yes. And that includes, obviously, Alex Ferguson, obviously includes Matt Busby. It also includes uh, Tommy Doherty and Ron Atkinson as well. Managers that had achieved success had a lot more to go. The problem with if you point managers like Jose Mourinho or Louis van Gaal, They've been there, done it, seen it. Maybe they don't have the same passion, the same um, vigour. And, of course, David Moyes, let's set that aside. And Ollie, well, that wasn't going to work either. But Ten Hag fits the template of the most successful Manchester United managers. And what he is also doing uh, is, as well as that, that big spend, he's improving the players that he inherited, which is something that a Manchester United manager's not done since Alex Ferguson in 1986. So uh, you mentioned... David De Gea. Well, David De Gea, um, he's someone that at the start of the season you would have this reputation, you know, that chant, dodgy keeper. Mm. Well, he doesn't look so dodgy anymore. He's made mistakes, but him and uh, him and uh, Ten Hag have worked together. And they've worked with the coaches. Um, you've also got Marcus Rashford, of course, the most improved player, the best player in England at the moment. He's working with Benny McCarthy, a coach that uh, Ten Hag's brought into the club. This is what Manchester United should have been doing all this time. Mm. Uh, and as you say, uh, just as uh, we're about to possibly change, um, it all seems to be coming right. And we don't know uh, how a new regime might affect it, because if we take the example of, say, PSG, well, it's not really been that successful, has it? As a, you know, the, the team has won uh, Liga. It's a circus. But it's not achieved, not, yeah, it's not achieved its aim. It's not a football team. 
On Liverpool then, uh, the game, I mean, just uh, this, these very moments last week as they were about to kick off against Everton, there was a sense yeah. of, of where are they? And they've had a very, very good week. Now, after an appalling few months, it's hard to know how much stock to put in a very good week. But it's, uh, again, it's, it's quite tantalising that it comes on the eve of this game against Madrid tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was at Liverpool's game at Brighton, what's that, four weeks ago. And I think that's, I mean, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards, didn't he? It was the lowest point of his uh, Liverpool regime. Well, I think actually it went lower after that. And for them to come back, win the Merseyside derby against a very motivated Everton team. Uh, and then that Newcastle game. Newcastle are a decent team. OK, they were assisted by uh, Nick Pope's... Um, uh, Russia blood, but it, that it was still three nil at that point, or two nil, three nil. And they, they've just, you know, uh, Stefan Bacetic, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, they've found a player who um, has knitted the midfield together. He's yeah. eighteen. He's asking an awful lot of someone, but uh, they found a player who uh, defensively solid, uh, progresses the ball. Um, well, even for the goal, and, I'm, like I'd say, we both have that image in our heads of uh, Van Dijk giving him. The ball under a bit of pressure and uh, lovely adept turn and, and sets Liverpool away. I mean, that's exactly what they need. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's got that. Um, I was saying this uh, today. Uh, he, he socks rolled down, calm. <laughs> you know, he looks classy, doesn't he? He really does. Whether Liverpool can base their revival around an eighteen-year-old, we don't know. Whether that can be the same against uh, Real Madrid, uh, the old foe, we don't know. Um, but it, it, it feels like this this Real Madrid game, okay, Real Madrid maybe not the force they were last season. It feels like a shot to nothing for Liverpool. Mm. If they don't win this tie, okay, fine. But it does feel like there are shoots of recovery for Liverpool. Uh, they shouldn't be, shouldn't let themselves be too downcast if it doesn't go their way. And there's no reason why it can't go their way. Could be an interesting couple of weeks, I suspect. John, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, always good to talk, Joe. Likewise, John Bruin with us on the line. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch every UEFA Champions League and Europa League match live on BT Sport this season. This is News Talk.